Holy Spirit wants to turn up the heat. I said Holy Spirit wants to turn up the heat. I'm laid back giving this because I can barely move. When it comes to the Bible, what is it saying to you? We have to hear from the author as it released what it wants us to receive in each book. What does the author want us to know? And I know, guys, when we read about the testimonies, we say, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't wouldn't even listen to Satan. I wouldn't have ate off that tree. I wouldn't have betrayed Christ. I wouldn't deny Christ. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. That's why you and I are not in that generation. God already formed us for this generation, which is a generation covered by grace. The old covenant was of sacrifice. The new covenant is grace. We don't know what it's like to live outside of grace. So the way we think is different than the way they thought. See, I couldn't live then how I am now. Because it's greater. It gets greater. And it gets greater. See, we read about their mistakes and we say, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't even start to have my faith to fall and sink in the water like Peter did. I would have denied Christ like he did. I wouldn't have betrayed my brother like Jacob's sons did. The mistakes was already written to happen. Because God's writing is not our mistakes. It's what he does regarding them. So our mistakes that he already seen that we will make brings forth his glory because he becomes who he is in every area that we need him to be in order to bring us out every single time. We learn through what? Mistakes. Because of mistakes, there goes what? Redemption. Because of mistakes, there goes restoration. Because of mistakes... There goes a correction. So every mistake that you and I read about, it had to happen because God already written his response due to him. See, everything the devil tried to destroy us with, God used that very same thing to prosper us in. So every way that he prospered us in was coming from those mistakes. And in the Bible, 
there are many mistakes. Like us, make many mistakes. Excuse me, that was someone asking me to, you know, do a noonday prayer. Are you available? Of course I am. <gasps> oh, thank God so much. I done called around. So many people couldn't do it. Oh, gosh. You know that relief that we get when someone is available to do what we need them to do? Please excuse the construction. They are, you know, remodeling upstairs. Hallelujah. So when it comes to the mistakes in the work, they had to happen. That's why you and I are not in that generation because they wouldn't have happened because we know better from where we are. Holy Spirit wants to talk about the new covenant regarding Christ and his time here in the earth. Christ don't do anything unless God tells him to. Say anything unless God tells him to say it. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. I don't do anything unless I hear my father, see my father do it. When he chosen the original 12, God had them all ready according to his plan before the foundation. Everything that you and I will ever see is before the foundation. Jeremiah 1, 1 through 5. Before you enter your mother's womb, I shaped and formed and molded you. Nor the plans and thoughts I had concerning you. God was talking about everything he'd done before it became. Do you know what is finished? What it really means to God? His perspective of it is finished? That means all eternity outside of time is already accounted for. There is nothing that he has to get done. Because everything we can think about getting done, he already did. Things that haven't been created yet, he already done. Holy, 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 it's already done. The enemy wants us to think that God takes too long or he moves when he wants, which is on a slow pace. But the whole time, he is being that patient with us to come alongside with him so we can get who he is. Because those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when we come to God, we must first believe that he what is. So he's being patient with us. That's how patient he is. To wait until we get him. To get to the point where we talk like him. Think like him. So we can walk like him. And say and see like him. Because right now, we don't see and say. And then see. 
But God said, we're in his image and likeness. And God said, and he saw, said, he saw, said, he saw, this what he seen, and he said, it's good. We say and we wait. Why? Because we say things out of purpose, out of time, out of season. Because we're thinking naturally about his reality. And it's super naturally. That's why we pray with purpose and it's called in heavenly language as an intercessor. When it comes to the original 12, God already had them in mind. Because it took all of them to do everything that they have done in order for Christ to get up. If they made no mistakes, then he would not be in the hands of his betrayer to even be crucified to even get up. Many of us look at Judas and be like, you know what? That was wrong, man. But God already knew. Judas' lifestyle, that didn't just start when he became a disciple. That was his entire upbringing. Judas was a hustler. A cold-hearted hustler. Whatever you consider a hustler is hardcore. Whether a drug dealer, a pimp, a human trafficker, a baby abductor. One who cheat on taxes, a bank robber. Any form of being a thief. Any form of robbery. Because he panicked about his well-being. And it didn't just start when he was walking with Christ. He was that way, period. See, I'm going to speak modern day and that day, biblically. Give you more about Judas. Modern day style. On welfare. No father in the home. Got to take care of himself. Mama doing the best she can. Because women didn't do much labor back then to even gain a pension. Tired of not having. Tired of eating oozy noodles. Tired of eating Vienna sausages. Tired of black eyed peas, pork and beans, whatever you want to call it. Tired of Kool-Aid. He want real juice. Tired of fruit rings. He want fruit loops. Tired of food stamps. He want cash. So he had the mind and the heart of a hustler. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure I'm taken care of. Because I'm never going to be without ever again. And many of us live that way now. But we have so many things invented modern day style that can cover and protect us from actually being exposed. They didn't have much to hide behind back then. You could rob a bank over the phone. So that was his personality. I'm a great person, but I'm going to make sure I always have. By any means. Excuse me, I cannot keep my phone off of Do Not Disturb because people keep telling me they're trying to reach me and it's not going through. I pray that no one else 
sends anything while I'm on here. And if they do, please excuse. That's how Judas was. He got tired of being poor, tired of being dirty, tired of looking at people's lives and what shades was like that. So I'm going to do what it takes to make sure I'm good. I'm a great person, but look, I'm getting mine. That's how Judas was. He had to be a disciple because God already knew it was going to take him to be bold to betray. See, if I was there, I wouldn't have been bold to do that because I'm not going to betray him because I know him in a way that Judas didn't because I'm in grace. I know better. See, each generation gets better. We all know better than what they did. That's why we always say we wouldn't do what they have done. And we wouldn't have. That's why we're not in that time. Because it had to take them to do what they've done in order for God's glory to be revealed. It had to take Pharaoh to deny for God to release his might. You know God could have had them release without even releasing a plague? He do whatever he wants. But that's how he wanted to be glorified. Just like Joseph. He prophesied to his fathers and brothers. You guys going to kneel before me. And they took it as bowing down worshiping him. Even Jacob said now okay now you're going too far Joseph now. But God didn't give him all of the prophecy. And God is not going to give us all the pieces. Because if Joseph knew in order for his brothers to actually kneel before him, they were apologizing due to betraying him by being in jail all that time for something you've never done and in a place you've never been away from your family by being betrayed, being denied. All that have to happen to me before you guys bow? Oh, I'm not doing it. If God told you and I everything that you and I have been going through just this week in order to get to the other side and see his glory and all the things that we pushed past, cried about, we wouldn't do it. If you knew your preparation was going to go through all of that, all the twists and turns for us to grow and become better, we grow through immaturity. We become secure out of insecurity. We become healed out of sickness. We become alive out of death. See, we want to be alive but not think of death. We want to receive the correction without making a mistake. Have to make a mistake to be corrected. And if you tell us every detail, we're not going to do it. Because we feel like we're going through enough already. That's why it's called using faith. 
We don't have to lead to our own understanding, but keep acknowledging him when we don't understand. Keep acknowledging him when it seems like it's complicated. Keep acknowledging him because he's not complicated. He's not surprised. He's in control. So acknowledge the one that's responsible for it all and know that he already prepared a way. We have too many encounters, too much experience with God to even think to doubt him ever. Okay, he said me only one time. I'm convinced. We talking about God here. <laughs> oh, I am not trying to be out in a community like that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be on air like that. <laughs> Break it down like that. And every time that happens, People just, they gravitate to that. They gravitate to when we show our affection without containing it. The stuff that we want to hide, that's what God wants to show. Because that's coming from authenticity. Excuse me, authenticity. <laughs> Being authentic. You understand, you get it. so serious so every disciple that he has chosen God prepared a way of escape due to every mistake that we have read about see if we were there with Christ there wouldn't have been no glory because we would have made sure that whatever was supposed to happen it wouldn't have oh we're not betraying you oh you're not going to take out Christ you're not going to take our Lord. So how would he be crucified to even get up for us to live forever? See, during the crucifixion, a lot of the Jews were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And us, you know, as a Jewish culture back then, were saying, don't crucify him, don't crucify him. But Christ wanted us to exchange what we all were saying because we should have been saying crucify him so we can receive salvation but we were looking at things in the natural and those who were against him were saying crucify him if they knew if every demon knew he would get up they wouldn't have said crucify him. they would have said don't A lot of times we say that Satan didn't know, but he hears the conversations that we have. So how can he not know? The thing is, it doesn't matter because he will always prevail or not. He will always start a plan only and it will never finish because his plan should never what? Prosper. And our praise steals what? His blood. That's the word. See, God wants to educate us biblically on the simplicity of the word itself. So we can just childlike give it by childlike understanding it. Now, I know the names are different. I get it. And the places, the locations are different. 
without God and the word is still the same. See, we go to Johnson's family reunions, Hood's family reunions, and we have a tree with apples on it with each family member picture for a family reunion. But the real family reunion is being a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If anybody going to be on that shirt, it should be them. Because we all came from them. Now, that's the real family tree. See, it took Judas to be who he was in order to betray Christ. See, he had to be treacherous. He had to be that much of a scam artist, didn't care, bold, hardcore, cold-blooded. You can hear how cold-blooded he was. Christ said, one of you will betray me. Judas knew he was talking to him. He already had the men on their way there. To meet him outside. And he's going to ask him anyway. Is it I? And you know it is. No one else did it. So he said. Whatever, whatever or whoever dips this. When I dip. Is the one. And Judas was the one. And so Christ said. You know Christ don't play no games. So go ahead and do that thing you were about to do. You think Judas was like, uh, I ain't doing that. Will you call me on it? Never mind. No. He still dismissed himself politely, got up from the table, and went to go betray him. That's how cold-blooded he was. As a hustler. That's how much he loved money. He sold his soul for it. If you notice, all the mistakes the disciples have made were before Holy Ghost came up on them. When Holy Ghost came up on them, was no stopping them then. Peter was the first one to stand up for Christ the day of Pentecost. When the people were coming and they were identifying their speech, like, hold on, they from where we from? How they know my language? How they know this language, that language? Peter said, the one you have crucified, the one you have denied. Jesus Christ. It came from him. He was preaching Christ to the people he denied Christ to. He had to betray in order for Christ to remain captured. Because Peter cannot be crucified for Christ. So he couldn't receive what he was not here to do. To take Christ's punishment instead. That's why when they all met up with Christ after he has risen, you know what's so amazing? He never mentioned about their mistakes. Why? Because he knew it was supposed to happen. He never even asked them, where is Judas? Because he knew. 
he was going to kill himself. He already finished what he was, you know, to do, betray. And when that assignment was over to betray, he became aware of how evil that was. How dishonoring and disrespectful that was. That's like robbing an old lady and you go home to your grandmother and you feel so bad. But you weren't thinking about that when you robbed that old lady. So he's walking to his own execution off the cliff, threw himself over and was replaced a little later by Matthias being another disciple. That's why Peter felt so bad when his portion of what he had to do was done. It overtook him so much. Oh my gosh. Come on now, Peter, not no fool. He's the daring one. He's the one who, who always has something to say. Christ said, who they said they am? Peter spoke up and said, they said you David, they said you Elias, they said you Joshua, they said, who do you set? Hold on, who is that coming to water? Peter, the only one that stepped out the boat. When they seen all that fish, when they drew that net, as Christ said, who they didn't know at the time was Christ. When they realized that was a miracle, who was the first one to jump off that boat? Took the fishing garments off and jumped off. Peter. Who was the first one Christ said something to? Peter. Do you love me more than these? These who? No, not these who. These what? He wouldn't consider us as these because these mean things. If he was talking about us as people, he would have said them. He said, do you love me more than these and not them? Do you love me more than these? These what? These fish, Peter. Because I said, bring me some of what you have. 150, 355 pieces of fish. You bought the whole net, Peter. Because you're thinking about your come up. How much you're going to get out of all these fish. So guess what? I'm going to make you a fisherman now and not a fisherman anymore. Peter, because you said you loved me. How do you think Peter felt to deny him three times? He had to. Peter's death was due to a crucifixion. But he said, I'm not worth being crucified the same style as Christ. So I want you to crucify me upside down. That was more painful. All that blood rushed through your head while you being nailed to a cross. Wept, spat on everything. And he did it in honor. Stephen, and many of us say Stephen, he didn't have to be stoned because he had such a beauty, a gentleness of his spirit that 
the priests and the guards in them, they were really drawn to him until he was talking about all their mistakes. He talked about every mistake from the old all the way to the new. And they hated that. It's like he was winning the crowd until he said the truth. It's like he wasn't going to back down. And they stoned him and he looked up and seen God in Christ. In your hands, I command my spirit. I give up my spirit. And fell to the ground. See, it has us to look at the Bible differently, doesn't it? Does it seem complicated how Holy Spirit had me to explain? It had to happen. The old covenant had to happen for the new covenant. The Old Testament paved the way for the New Testament. Do you know Christ is prophesied more in the Old Testament? More than any book in the New Testament? And a lot of the Old Testament is in the New Testament. Meaning being prophesied of what the prophets prophesied about Christ. The entire Ark of Covenant was describing Christ's coming. Every form of sanctification was described in Christ. In a word, it says Christ is the Passover lamb. In a word, it says Christ is the ram in the bush. Christ is the fire at night and cloud by day. When it comes to the Ark of Covenant, the showbread, 12 loaves of bread, which stands for the 12 tribes of Israel. And Christ said he's the what? Bread of life. See, everything that's for sanctification is describing Christ. The sacrifice in the Ark of Covenant for repentance and look at Christ. He's the ultimate what? Sacrifice. See, God was prophesying Christ all along. Even the water to wash their hands. Christ said, I have water where you would never what? Thirst again. Even the candle, the menorah, is a symbol of Christ. It portrays Christ. It portrays Christ. How? Because Christ said what? I am the light of the world. And what does a candle do? Give light. So when we think about the mistakes that they have made, like the mistakes we have made, God already written down how he received his glory Based upon him pulling us out of and bringing us into. See, he doesn't write down what caused the problem. No. His writing is what he has done as a solution. Your book about your life, my life, is about God's solutions due to everything that we have done that wasn't correct. You know why he written it that way? Because he doesn't make any mistakes. And he's being glorified of who he is to us. He's reminding himself about us. 
and who he is to us. That's why he provides us opportunities to depend on him because he wants to be what we need him to be in whatever that situation is. You need him as a healer right now? You need him as a protector right now? Let him be. Let me take you a little deeper, Holy Ghost is telling me to do. You know what's so amazing when Christ walked around here in the flesh since a baby? There were people that departed their bodies during the time frame of him being here for the 30-something years he was here. People were going home due to old age and departing their body and, you know, enter into the kingdom. But if Christ is here, who did they encounter when they departed their bodies? Because the word says, out of our body, we enter into his presence. And no one gets to the Father as they get to the Son. So if Jesus here walking around for those, quote unquote, who died here in the earth during the time frame of him being here for us, who did they encounter when they died? Who did Judas, who did Judas encounter when he killed himself? If Christ was in prison. It shows how much we are omnipresent. Even Christ walking around in the flesh. Whoever went home during the time he was here still entered to his presence. How he is in glory seated at the right hand of God. Even him being seated at the right hand of God still sitting here for us. Still in the earth looking up unappealing and still seated at the right hand of God at the same time we're thinking that he got up out his seat came in the earth in the flesh risen and sat back down no he never left his seat he's omnipresent if he left his seat then what does that put the spirits that depart the body into his presence where and who would they encounter? If it was only them to encounter Christ in the flesh here when he was here. Do that mean their spirits will wait until he rise and then depart out of a body that's dead? No. Ooh. Holy Spirit, okay. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. God. There's a sword in my belly. There's a sword in my belly. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Okay, okay, Holy God, okay, 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 okay. Whew, God. So imagine that. Christ here as a baby, you know, a toddler, teenager, and people still dying and entering into his presence. And glory. You know what's so amazing? Not more amazing. You know what's so amazing, Lord, deeper than that? Christ appeared in the flesh in two different ways. Rich and poor. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm feeling it while Holy Spirit is me to say it. Oh, 
you will not kill yourself. You will not put that bullet in your head. I come against that thought of suicide. I declare that you will not entertain that thought and give yourself another chance for God to see you through it. And I decree favor upon your life regarding the matter. I bind that negative thought of pressure, of society, of drama, of trauma in your life. And I loose the kingdom of God over God showed me someone with one bullet they put in the gun and they closed it, (laughs) ready to put a bullet in their head, but they won't anymore. They won't anymore because I just declare it's power. The power was just released over that person. Oh, God. Holy, Holy Spirit want to take it up a notch. He appeared in the flesh in two different ways. Many of us think that he got up in the flesh the same way he went down. But that would make the word out to be a contradiction because he died to sin and risen to life. So he didn't look the way when he risen in the flesh that he died in the flesh. That's why Many scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John describe, you know, one said he appeared to be a gardener. You know, that's his disguise. But it wasn't that. It's the fact that no one knew it was him. They didn't recognize him because they'd never seen him in that way before. That's like you see me transform into a better me that you can't even recognize who I am. And that's like how we look now. We don't look like the sin we have done. Even though we're the same person. Christ didn't look like what he'd been through. Ooh, God. Walking around from Jerusalem all the way to Galilee. He had some encounters, but not as he should have. Because men didn't know that was him. The disciples didn't even know. He had to tell them. One of my favorite encounters about Christ, I want to I want to really make, you know, a short film about that. Just him at the seaside preparing them food, how he looked there in beauty, in the flesh. We knew he got up in the flesh. He said, don't touch me. I'm not yet been to my father. They could touch him. And we're taking up higher than that. He was ascending and descending from the kingdom in the flesh in glory. They were able to see him. But he never showed himself being seen. Ascend, no, descending. They always see him ascend, but never see him descend. Because he already appeared and showed up where they were. No one knows what it looked like to see Christ come from the kingdom. You know why Holy Ghost is saying? 
Because he's saving that for when he comes back that we all see him at the... I'm up. I'm up. God. God. That we all see him descend from the kingdom. You know how when somebody keeps doing something, it's like it's played out, it's old. No, he saved it for that one time. Take it up higher than not. His flesh is put away in the kingdom. And you know flesh rots. Wither away. Not his. Why? Because he's the only one who has to get back in it. So it can't rot. Take it up higher than that. Okay, only goes. Christ in the version of him carrying our sin, that version of Christ that was unappealing, transformed. It's not one Christ and then an appealing looking Christ. It's a transformation. He transfigured before he transformed. Wow. God says, remember the encounter that he had with Moses and Elijah, with God, and he transfigured before, you know, a couple of the disciples that was there with him? He transfigured into how he looked when he was risen. The beauty. Mm. So they saw him before. Looking rich and appealing. And still didn't remember that that was him. Wow. Because unbelief can rob us. It's like they believed. They kept trying to. They were trying so hard to believe. But sometimes they just didn't. Because it seemed too good to be true. Like imagine putting a price on love. (laughs) How much would that cost? Put a price on eternal life. How much would that be? If you find those things like that in the store, the fruits in the store, how much would that cost? And yet look how rich they are. And God said they are free and with them they are no loss. Oh, God. You understand? I want to do a short film, and I will, at the seaside. Because that beautiful sunny day, he's cooking food for them and they're not even aware he's cooking for them. They're hungry. They've been trying to capture what he's cooking. Did you catch anything? No. Who is this man asking me to catch anything? He know we didn't. We still out here. We see his food cooking. He ain't off us any. Whole time that is your food and that is your Messiah. They know. To see Jesus at the seaside cooking food for them. Imagining what Christ's food tastes like. I had no idea. Christ is a chef. Do you know Christ is every good thing and one Messiah? Every gift that we have, every talent, he has it. Whether it's crocheting, dancing, he has it. Cooking, he has it. Singing, he has it. I heard his voice. He has an album. I seen his album, but I didn't know it was Christ's album. It was like an album for the new artist coming out. We have a new artist coming out, and this I'm in a dream. I'm in the audience about to see 
you know, the new artist. Like, wow, whose song is this? And he's singing as he's coming out. And I'm like, wow, who is this? But we we supposed to be waiting for Jesus to come. Where's Jesus at? Didn't even know he is the artist we were waiting for. And he looked like that. Come on, Jesus, for real? Come on now, for real? And we're thinking God has this long white beard, long mustache, you know, white hair, spirit form, like an old man, but a, a gorgeous old man? No. God looks younger than Christ, I'm trying to tell you. When Christ said, you see me, you see the Father, because they are one. Not in a sense of quantity, quality. Like we are one. Do we, do we look like the image of Christ as our Messiah? Like literally? No. But we do regard our identity spirit to spirit, heart to heart, faith to faith. That identifies us as one. Our minds look alike because they're renewed. Our hearts are one because they're fixed. I never forget, I was like 22 years old on my way to work and I read John 14 when he was saying, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I broke down. No, why did you leave? I need you here, Christ. I need you here. I can't do it without you. Why did you go? No, come back. Not even aware of the power of the presence that's already around me. See, we look around our atmosphere. We see everything naturally. Your wall, your television, in your bedroom, whatever it is. You outside, you see trees, cars, ground, sky. You understand but if we really look around and see heaven, see God's reality more than this earth way of seeing things, which is our physical senses, it will blow our minds. Christ appeared in the flesh in two different ways, poor and rich, unappealing and appealing, scrawny to strong. They didn't know who he was until they found out. Probably thought he was a you understand, a tourist or something. A guest coming to town whole time. He's the purpose of you being in town. The word is starting to be so rich that it's the Bible for me. I I love that book. Why? At first I didn't. Because I was reading what I wasn't seeing happening around me as a kid. I was four years old. And I'm reading about and learning in Bible class, Sabbath class, what God is saying to us. But I wasn't seeing what he was saying be done around me. So I was like, you know what? Forget the book. 
Father, how about you just tell me everything I need to know? And it been like that for a very long time. How about you just tell me? Because I don't know what to believe. <laughs> I just want the truth. That's it. I don't want King James thoughts, ideas. I want God using King James. Because he had over 50 people help him write it. But he approved of what they have given him as a manuscript for him to publish it. And before King James, a man called William, I forgot his last name. He was the one who first translated, you know, the Bible from Greek to English. That many was not fond of. They felt like that's our native line. So we should learn our native culture. Why translate it into another language? No, learn Hebrew. It's like somebody coming to your country and you have to learn their language. No, you over here. You learn our language. So they feel like we read the word known about Christ from, you know, naturally Israel. So you learn us. Not you try to interpret it for, you know, us to learn you and your way of doing it. It was a lot with that. But anyway, I, um, I just thank God that just being in love with the Bible. I can see what the author is trying to say. Before I get off of here, I want to really have you guys to look at this yourself. I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 31. It's like 1 through 16. Not much. Just go to the part where after Saul, Saul, excuse me, after Saul was murdered and how did it come about? There was a man that was with him and Saul wasn't all, you know, he wasn't dead, but he was suffering from his wounds and he asked the man beside him to kill him, finish it off. Before they come and torture me worse than this. And according to 1 Samuel 31. The man said I can't. I can't. So Saul. You know. Pushed. You know. And pulled himself on the sword. To kill himself. And then it says. The man killed himself after it. And they both were dead. Now I want you to go to 2 Samuel. The next page over. And read 1 through 12. And just, just read the summary. You ain't got to read the whole thing. Just get, just get the basics of that same man that 1 Samuel described as killing himself. Is the same man that was walking and, you know, and walked into David. And he was, he was an Amalekite. And David said, who are you? Because David knew he's a stranger. And he said, I am a man who just left a battle that everyone died. 
even Saul, Jonathan, you know, his other two sons. And David said, how do you know that they died? He said, because I was in war with them. He asked me to kill him. And I did. Here's his wallet, his bracelet, not wallet. <laughs> Here's his bracelet, <laughs> pretty much. Here's his bracelet <laughs> and his crown. And David was asking all kinds of questions. And he was greatly asking. He was bragging about it. So David and his men, they mourned with a moment of silence for a little bit. And then David said to him, who are you to take a life of a king? My king. And his throat was slit. He was murdered. See, he didn't know who David was. But the thing is, David knew who he was. See, the author was pretty much saying, the author that was writing 2 Samuel and 1 Samuel was pretty much giving you two ways that it could have happened. See, you got to realize, these writers in the Bible are receiving revelations due to others' encounters. Because no one written it was actually there. Because the writing of those who had it when they were there, there's no telling where it is now. Those are thousands, thousands of years ago. It's like trying to find your baby picture. For those who don't have it. You understand? And so David knew who he was. You know why? Because he knew the crown that he had in his hand and the bracelet that he was bragging about. He took that as a symbol to show those who wanted Saul dead that he killed him. See, the thing is, David knew, but he didn't know, he didn't know that David knew. And that's what the author wanted us to know. There are two different sides of the story. I'm going to give you one with more detail and you go figure. That's like saying, well, I heard that this person robbed a bank, but this version said that they didn't. But I'm going to give you what was given to me about how they did. And that's what the author was said about 2 Samuel 31. I mean, excuse me, 1 Samuel 31 and 2 Samuel 1. Because it shows that the author wanted us to know, well, I'm not telling you this, but it's up to you to go figure. Because the Amalekite, he set Saul up. He acted like he was at war with him, which he supposed to have been, but he betrayed him just like Judas did Christ. You'll give me what for Saul? Sure. Shoot. I have a family to think about. Okay, we want you to bring his crown and his bracelet to prove that you killed him. And he's walking around town with that. And walked right into David. What a coincidence. And the reason why David really felt that he should die, because David felt disrespected. If this is a man who I honor as my king, who was seeking to kill me, by me writing 150 songs because of it. If I didn't kill him. 
because I honored the man who wanted to kill me. Who are you to kill my king? If I didn't kill him, you can tell David could have been killed Saul if he wanted to. That's why Saul wanted David because of not just his spiritual strength, his physical strength. David killed by the thousands and was sitting right after. He the one who took down bears and tigers and lions. His brothers, they're doing other type of labor. I'm attending to the sheep and I'm not going to allow nothing to happen to the sheep by any means. Matter of fact, there's a wild beast that's trying to eat one of my father's sheep. Let me snatch it out of this beast's mouth. And he did. So the author wanted us to know there are two sides to that story. That's why in 1 Samuel 31, describing the murder of Saul is that Saul killed himself and a man killed himself after. And according to 2 Samuel, the first chapter, right after, the turn the page, it gives a different version. The man was walking, so obviously he didn't die. It's more detailed in 2 Samuel. They say, I'm not going to accuse him, but we have more facts about this version. He killed Saul, took his stuff. He set him up pretty much. Because David was wondering, how come you're walking around and everybody else dead or captured? Because they went in the city and took over. How you was able to walk away like this with his crown and his bracelet? He set him up. See, he went bragging to the wrong person. That's like somebody talking about you, not even knowing that your best friend is in the room and they're not even aware that's your best friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you guys so much. I thank God for you so much. Enjoy this.